Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Gateway Comics and Toys. Gateway is located at 2368 Plank Road in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our website is gatewaycomicsandtoys.com where you can find more information about our store, including hours, new releases, and specials for the week. Our social media is under Gateway Comics and Toys as well, so you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, September 30th. Um, I am your host, Randall. I am the only one in studio today. I have Olivia and Enos on uh, Zoom. Say hello, guys. Hello. And I have Madman working the boards. Tommy is out this week. He has family visiting, so hopefully he's actually going to be listening in. Hello, Tommy, um, if you're out there. So <clears throat> how was everyone's last week, weekends, what have you? Pretty good. Yeah, we had a lot of rain yesterday. Uh, well, it's funny. It was supposed to have been a washout yesterday, but it only started around midday. So, yeah, I did get a nice pickup uh, over the weekend from uh, your store, Olivia. Got myself a 8.5 signed teen, my my by Marv Wolfen Teen Titans number two. So, was happy to add that to the collection. Nice. Um, and it's funny, too, I, to <laughs> I had all those when they originally came out, and, you know, they're comics that I had to sell back in the day when I was um, <clears throat> trying to finance um, some independence, as they say. Um, but, oh, well, such is life, right? And, and you know what really irks me? So, this is funny. I was, I was actually thinking about this um, a couple of days ago. You know, now when you get a signed comic, you go to a convention, they sign it right across the cover, Right. And then you get it graded or you just get it signed and you box it up or bag and board it, right? Um, way back in the day, I had Teen Titans number one signed by both Marv Wolfman and George Perez back in the days when they didn't sign the cover. They opened it up and actually signed on a splash page. Um, so you wouldn't know unless I'd actually made a note that it was signed by them. So somewhere out there is a probably a near mint copy of Teen Titans number one signed by Perez and Wolfman that no one's ever opened and looked at that sign on the splash page. And it's probably been graded now, right? <laughs> so let's jump into some news items. Um, I don't know if you guys heard this. LA Comic Con announced that their tickets went on sale yesterday for their in-person December uh, event in the 11th and 13th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Um, here was the funny thing. They put no limitations on the number of attendees. Um, and even though the Los Angeles County Department of Health hasn't actually given them the green light to go ahead and have it yet. And I'm like, okay, so you're just going to, huh? I said, that's interesting. Right. Well, and what was funny is right after they announced that, their general manager also then turned around and said they're doing everything they can to help um, nerds unite this December. It's a pandemic makes it necessary to cancel this year's Los Angeles Comic Con. The tickets will be honored for the next one. And I'm thinking... Why did you even bother to schedule it? Yeah, there's no way. 
I mean, California isn't even fully open yet, and December is two months away now, something like that. Right. I can't imagine anybody having a full-blown convention this year. Well, and I just think it's funny that they said they're selling tickets. There was no limit cap on the attendance. They was going to allow, you know, full attendance. And I'm thinking, you're not going to get that. California's going to shoot that down. And then you say, well, if they tell us we can't do it, why why schedule it? You know you're going to yeah. get shut down. <laughs> That's because they're saying the Air Force, I guess, is too much like right. <laughs> right, exactly. Makes too much sense, absolutely. Right. Exactly. Uh, other news, um, and I did not know that they were actually doing this, so I'm actually kind of excited now that i am gone back and rereading this. Um, Neil Gaiman provided an update on the filming of the Netflix adaptation of the Sandman series. Um, I didn't know they were actually doing live action of this. Um, yeah. So it was obviously delayed because of coronavirus, but he did say that they plan to begin filming again in late October. And then he also shared um, the cover page from the first script. Um, and showed that the title is The Space Between Universes and that it mentions Fawny Rig, which for those of you who have read that, uh, Olivia probably remembers this. Fawny Rig is a location where they first um, capture and imprison um, Morpheus. So that should be it's good. Huh? It's going to be a good show if it's anything like Lucifer. Lucifer, um, they're supposed to have the second half of the fifth season, or yeah, fifth season in December or January now, but they just filmish, finished wrapping up filming um, season six. So that's that's done. And from what I heard, they're now fully just moving on to focusing on the Sandman ad- adaptation. But right. it's it's a good, good show, and I'm excited to see yeah, it. it is. Yeah, I like the actor in that um, he was in a TV show on uh, USA where he paid a, um, a disgraced doctor. He was a doctor in every sense of the word, except he didn't have a license to practice, but he still practiced medicine. He wound up not getting himself into trouble, but he found himself in some real hairy situation. And I always liked him as an actor. And I've only seen a few episodes of Lucifer, but I might, I might invest in that. It's good. Yeah, never Definitely actually watched that one. Oh, it's really good. Wasn't it on Fox for a while, too? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, and then it got canceled and then picked up by Netflix. Um. I'm going back and rereading. This is two, but that's my current reading list. Well, and and it's funny you you showed that because I went through my pile of comics today. I've gotten really horrible with my reading pile. So not only do I have all this pile of comics, but I have uh, Sandman Volume Six that I'm halfway through. I have the Neil Gaiman Internals hardcover that I'm halfway through. I have um, the Secret Wars trade paperback that I borrowed from Mad Men yesterday that I've a quarter of a fourth through. <laughs> and then I have Teen Titans book 11, which I haven't even started yet. And I'm thinking, i got to stop playing my game so much and read these damn things. Um, so, Yeah, that Secret Wars, it's, it's pretty dense when you pick it up, you know. When you, oh, yeah. Well, all things considered. It's daunting when you pick it up. Well, wow. Well, I mean, like... we barely had time to cover it in an hour last week. So. Well, and, and I was actually reading it today. Um, I, and no one actually mentioned this, that uh, like in the very first uh, six pages of it, Galactus eats Ultron. Yep. <laughs> You're like, wow, okay then. <laughs> Guess that eliminated him real quick. So, yeah, good yeah, stuff. He, he, he had to have his recommended daily allowance of adamantium. You didn't know that? Oh, I didn't need the suit. Hey, he yeah. just had the nuclear reactor energy inside of him. The suit falls to the ground empty. <laughs> I'm like, okay yeah. then. Yeah, we got that back in, so I added it to my reading pile again, so I can go over the full story. 
but that's definitely on there. I got about five or six books that I want to catch up on. Right. And then I have this week's comics that I picked up. Um, uh, Batman three jokers. Number two uh, came out this week. So I'm looking forward to that. By the way, uh, Olivia, did anyone complain, mention, comment on the fact that the little Joker card on the back of that thing is die cut? <laughs> and as you're reading it, it wants to pop out. I did not know this. When I was reading the first issue last month, I'm sitting uh-huh. there. I'm like, what is this on the back of the cover? I'm like, oh, it's that playing card. It's trying. It's die cut. It's trying to pop out. I'm like, okay, let's be careful with that. I have not had any complaints. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have the individual promotional ones we've been handing out to anybody who actually buys the book. So maybe it's just not something that a lot of people notice. Yeah, I, I didn't realize the one on the, on the book was actually a die cut that also pops out. So I yeah, had, I've been to, I've been trying to warn everybody not to open that back cover again. Yeah, I had to set it down and then start reading it the way we talked about reading yep. old comics to keep that card in there. Um, so yes, for those of you who are reading Batman Three Jokers, the playing card on the back of this die cut and it will pop out. <laughs> Which I know some of you won't matter, but to us uh, people um, with the collecting fixation, that actually decreases the value. And I'm, I'm air bunnying that, you know. Um, so what do you guys got for news items? Well, so mine was talking about Batman Three Jokers that came out. Um, I highly suggest the series. The second one was really good again. Um, it's going to be a huge, if you are a diehard collector and you want to add something that's going to hold value over time to your collection. Um, I would suggest adding it to your killing joke pile and keeping those all in good shape um, and collecting and reading it, if anything, just for the Jason Fabok art, because it's amazing. It's beautiful. I mean, that's yeah, half the reason I love it. I, you know what? I think I'm going to want the hardcover collection when this comes out, just based on issue one, because mm-hmm. that whole scene with Barbara and Jason, when they're left alone with Joker... And and you and get to the argument over shoot him, and you're like, oh, this is just not going to end well. So. Yeah. Well, and you know, this one isn't quite as intense of a cliffhanger on it, but I will warn you now, it has the same type of cliffhanger. Like, don't, don't look at the back page the back until you read. <laughs> They're going to do that with every single issue. Um, it's good though. It's good, and I'll leave it at that. No more spoilers. <laughs> I just I just thought it was funny when I first picked it up, and I started to flip through the art, and Olivia immediately like, don't look at the back page. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> She like stopped me. Had she not been there, she might have heard me in the, up in the front going, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it happened a couple times, and so I just started warning everybody. Uh, Enos, what do you got for news items? Um, very controversial casting news again, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as you know, a black actor has been cast as Hawkman in the new Black Adam film. And that has really, it's not been, I would say, controversial, controversial, because you're going to have some, have those who are going to raise cane about it regardless. But I have found on the different um, comic book sites and everything that I have, or pages or group pages that I've been on, a lot of people are happy with the choice of Aldous Hodge, who played MC Wren in the biopic of uh, NWA straight out of Compton and also on the uh, the movie Brian Banks and in the TV series Underground as being cast as Hawkman. A lot of people don't know that they've gone back to Hawkman's original roots where he is Egyptian. Right. Or he's or, or, huh? 
Well, then I think that makes perfect sense that he'd, he'd be a black mm-hmm. actor would play that role. Well, and, exactly. and I was just going to point out what Ines was saying. Look at all the, the Egyptian movies historically, um, Ten Commandments, all, all those movies. They were wrong. The Egyptians were not fair-skinned people. Yeah, they're Mediterranean-like. Right. It's like everyone around the Mediterranean, they all pretty much look the same. No offense. I'm not trying to be rude or nothing, but I mean, it was the, it was the very first mixing pot, you know, was right. the Mediterranean. And, yeah. And it it wound and it wound up making making its way to uh, the Batman group page this weekend, and um and there was a big debate going on, and I was and you know I was very wary about it because I thought I was going to have to um delete the story because you know it was talking about race and everything, but kudos to the group members, everyone had a decent discussion about it. But this one guy that I went back and forth with, um, he kept showing me the pictures of Hawkman as we knew him during the Silver Age. Let's let's be real about it. Right. Um, and no offense to anyone, but but Madman made the point himself. If you look at the move, I'm sorry, both Randy, you and Madman made the point where if you look at the movies where Egyptians were portrayed, they were whitewashed. And when Hawkman was created. The same thing was done to him. And so when after they tried these different Hawkmen over the course after um, they, did, they, they did the reboot with Hawkworld with Tim Truman, Hawkman's continuity became so convoluted that nobody knew what the hell was going on. So Jeff Johns, God bless him, they had killed him off and brought him back and they stuck with the golden age who was Egyptian. And a lot of people are having a problem with that, and I'm sorry, but no. I said, and, and you've got, you got to take a look at the fact that, and the whitewash, and I hate to say it, is still going on, because may I remind you of 2014 Exodus, Gods and Kings, where Christian Bale played Moses. They're right. still doing it. Right. Wow, right. somebody watched that? <laughs> Apparently, <point> Enos. Exactly. <laughs> no, but, 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 but see, here's the thing. I never start an argument that I never intend to win. And I wanted to make sure that if you're going to bring something to me, I'm going to have a counterpoint for it. And I use that point. And I also, and the guy told me, where have you seen the guy that I was arguing back and forth with was saying, where do you see a black man in um, as Hawkman in the comics? I said, where have you seen a white dude need you? (laughs) (laughs) The tourist. So, 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 I mean, come on. And I, and I made a point to tell the guy, I said, listen, you're not talking to a guy who just picked up a comic book yesterday. I've been reading comics for 48 years, which is probably 20 years longer than you've been alive. So, so you're not telling me anything. I said, I've watched and read Hawkman, but my, almost my entire life. So you're telling me something I already, that I don't already know. And and then I told him I stand by my point. I was finished. Have a good weekend. Never heard from the guy again. Enos and I had the same comment that I use on some of these people. It's a I've forgotten more about comics than you know. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's a. I think it's I think it's important to know which iteration of Hawkman you're talking about when you're talking about casting a black actor. And I think that they, you know they they made the right choice in this case. And yeah. uh, even when we've talked about Black Panther uh, before, it's like no one's really p- kicking up a fuss about all the black people in the Black Panther movie because it, it takes place, a lot of it takes place in Wakanda, uh, a mythical African nation. 
You know, right. so I mean, so nobody's really saying it's like there's not enough white people in here, you know, because I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense in terms of the story. It makes sense in terms of the character. And so, exactly. as long, I mean, and I don't think that there's any malicious nature. It's like trying to stay true to the, you know, the realism of, of a character. Right. And, and, and I think, Madman, you very, by you hit the nail right on the head on that, because if you look at a lot of, um, I went to CBR there, um, my page, um, the, the, I'm sorry, the Batman page, and there are other comic book related group pages or articles. M- most people, black and white, are very favored towards this and are looking forward to it. And I put up some art um, the other um, that someone did an artist rendering of Aldous Hodge in costume. And I'm sorry, but it's going to work. It's absolutely going to work. Um, so. The, the thing that I love about that, too, is that's also Dwayne Johnson keeping true to the character because exactly. Black Adam's going to be coming from made-up country of Kondag or whatever, right? Um, which is also a Mediterranean country. And he's like, this is not going to make sense if the Egyptian Hawkman, and going, especially because I'm guaranteeing you part of that story is going to be set in the past when oh, Teth, yeah. Ama- Teth Adam gets his powers. He's like, why am I going to have a white race in Egypt? But isn't, right. isn't The Rock still cast as Black Adam? Or? Yes. Yeah. So what's a Hawaiian dude do, doing there? Well, you know, you can make the, you can make the arguments. You know, the you look, you, look, you look too Polynesian, my friend, to be Mediterranean. Th- this is true. But you know what? Nah, because I I, I'm paying the millions of dollars to produce it. That's why he's getting away. As long as I get to see it on film, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, all in all, I think it's going to be really interesting to see them do it right too, because this isn't the first time they've done a live action Hawkman. They did it in the like the Flash CW series, and. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but Falk Heschnell or something uh, played him. Yeah, and Falk he was Hart. not Egyptian. Yeah, that or... sounds Dutch. He, he's right. German. <laughs> he's right. German, and I made a <laughs> and I made a point of talking about him too. And I love how the fact that they it's funny. Now he could have he could have like if he hadn't said anything, he could have probably got away with with looking like Israeli or something like that. Right. Absolutely. Because because I actually thought he was until I read up on him. But they perfectly nailed Hawk Girl. What I was going to say, Kendra in that was a black woman on that show. And and that was on Legends of Tomorrow, by the way. Legends of Tomorrow. And, um, but, 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 but Olivia is right. She, she's, um, Kendra showed up on the Flash first Mm -hmm. because Paco was hot for her. Right. And so yeah. was most yeah. men. Had, yeah, I was hot for it too. Who was I, I was going to say, and, 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 you know and, who and I'm hot for? Since we're going to be talking about this, I'm sorry. Let me interject here. The girl who plays, um, uh, what is it, uh, Vixen on the show, Maisie Williams. Is oh, that wow. her name? Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, I'm still hot for uh, Supergirl's sister. I was I was real upset when she came out. I was upset. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Kyler Lee. Yeah, I was Ellen Page upset when she came. Out. <laughs> Ellen Page upset. <laughs> Okay, so years ago, the one that broke my heart, and I know Madman's just going to probably chuck something at me. It was back uh, in the younger days when her when she was just really first getting uh, noticed. Melissa Etheridge. Uh, oh, that's she's an attractive woman. She's super weird. But, smoke it, smoke it but like back there in the yeah, days of like uh, Dirty Little Secret and Yes, I Am and all that. And then when she came when out she and I was like, oh, damn. Let's be real. <laughs> When she first burst on the scene musically, Melissa Etheridge was looking kind of hot. Kind of? Oh, no. There's no kind of about it. it. (laughs) And and then, you know, I didn't see her. 
And then I looked on some show, and it was like he man in the master of the universe. I'm like, what in the world? You go, and she, she looked more masculine than I. All right, you know what? Hang on. <laughs> let's let's we we, we have to pay equal equal uh, airtime here. Olivia, who came out as gay that you went? Oh, damn it. Oh God, Ricky um, Martin. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Everyone goes. That was right a little before Martin. my time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, my childhood crush was Zac Efron. Does that count? Close Wait, what? what? <laughs> is Zac Efron gay? I don't think he's gay. Because no. like, now no, I'm no, crushed. I'm thinking, <laughs> that's the only one I can think of that was okay. like my childhood crush in, in pop culture. <laughs> All right. Let's just move right along then because we are derailing. So um, so for show and tell tonight, um, I have two here. One of them is actually provided by station manager uh, EK, the DJ, which I'm going to show. Um, but it keeps with tonight's theme. So I'm going to let you guys go first. Um, Enos, I don't know if you have one there where you're at, but I know Olivia does, right? I'm going to hide you, Randy, yeah. make them bigger. Hold on a second. Sure. Hold tight. I'll have one in a moment. And by the way, guys, tonight's um, subject is going to be adult comics. Um, and just want to point out, it doesn't necessarily have to be sex, ooh-la-la, dirty when you talk about adult comics, even though that is the majority of them and sex plays a big part. Absolutely. There's a lot of adult comics out there that we say adult because the subject matter you don't want your 12-year-old reading. Absolutely. Okay. Who, all right, so who's going first? Um, and I can go first while he's... Sure. So, um, on par with tonight's topic, I picked one of my favorite movies slash storylines from DC. Um, it's super controversial in a lot of aspects. It kind of deals with fascism and government conspiracies and stuff like that. But V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, Alan Moore, Watchmen author. It's so good. Definitely recommend it. But I'll kind of talk about it a little bit more later. It's very controversial in a lot of aspects. We actually, too bad you weren't on the show then. Um, maybe we'll revisit it. We actually did an episode where we uh, talked about and reviewed uh, V for Vendetta. Oh, um, cool. Okay. And our thoughts on it. So, um, Enos, what do you have? Since <clears throat> we were talking about the controversial casting of Hawkman, I brought out the book that brought him back. Oh, yeah. I hope you guys can. The J. This is the trade paperback of the JSA run with Jeff Johns with Jeff Johns back in 2001 that brought Carter Hall back into mainstream DC. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get the full scope and the straight um, straight dope, so to speak, on why um, it is it was appropriate that Aldous Hodge be selected as the actor to portray Hawkman to uphold his Egyptian root, read this storyline because it answers all of your questions and backs up a lot of what some of your friends have been saying as to why his casting was a great idea. And that is an excellent book as well. I mean, I, I really like that run in JSA. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's be honest. If Jeff Johns is writing it, it's going to be good. Fair enough. I mean, he can take the, the most crap cast of characters and turn something gold out of it. Absolutely. So, um, so what I have, um, and I actually got these from our buddy Ed over there at Gateway. Look, another shameless plug for Olivia's store again. Um, there were actually two adult titles that I actually did collect and read. I will freely admit that I did it. Um, one was Phil Foglio's Xenophile. Um, I don't have any more of those. Any, I want to go get those back at some point because they were, you know, hysterical. And another one, um, and um, Ed actually did have two of these, so I went to the store and picked them up yesterday. Um, a lot of our uh, friends out there are just going to giggle over this one. And Madman, I think, is actually kind of a uh, snickering at this one, too. It is Cherry, number 19. Um, for you guys don't know, Cherry was a parody of the Archie series, as you can tell by the art. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not into S and M. Well, it's this just as cover was what it was. They were, the covers were all type of different themes. I don't know. Chicks with whips never really did anything for me. Right. It looks uh, scary. But what's funny is, um, as you can see, the title is now Cherry. When it originally started, um, the first couple of issues it was Cherry Pop Tart. And then I think the makers of Pop Tart said, Can you please not name your comic after our most popular flavor? Thank you. Um, so then the name got changed. I think they actually got a C and D letter on it too. So and then the one that um, E.K. brought in, and I got to tell you, I have no idea what the actual title of this book is other than Five Star Comics, yeah. but the cover alone just screams. Very adult. Very adult. <laughs> right. I mean, he's got a burning swastika that he's about to brand her with. It's not even backwards. <laughs> it should be backwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. It should be backwards. I mean, technically it is backwards because right. it's based upon Asian symbology. Symbolism? Excuse me. Right. Exactly. Um, but. Yeah, he brought this in and, and gave it to me to put yeah, on I show and tell. It. it looks hilarious. I kind of want to read it. Too. And I said, can I borrow this? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, absolutely. Because I've never heard of it, never seen it, but it looks hysterical. So, Well, I mean, human is, humor is so often involved when it comes to these comics, you know, especially right. when you're deal, dealing with ra racy subject matter and so right. forth. And, and the one that I mentioned earlier, the uh, Phil Foglio's Xenophile, if you guys can ever find those, pick them up. They are awesome. Just, just because they are hysterical. Um, you had a bit of a warped sense of humor when you look at it too. So, well, I think a lot of people who make these adult uh, comics have uh, a warped sense of humor, or just warped. Yes. <laughs> well, let's be honest. It, if you're going to write and draw this, you've got to be a little warped to begin with. Such as one of our creators, which we're going to get into. But I'm going to let one of you guys go first. Who wants it? Good, Enos. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the, I, this was like a more of a mainstream book. But I think one of the um, one of the first times that you didn't really see and it really wasn't a sexual book, but one of the things that uh, introduced me to sex and comics was an issue of Superman where they had a backup story called Mr. and Mrs. Superman. Right after the Golden Age Superman Lois Lane got married, there was a scene where there was a panel where they're in bed and they're the wake the late great Kurt Schaffenberger drew it, you knew what was about to happen and all you saw was clicking, it was left to your imagination. Um but um there was this one book, um, I think it was called Code Name Knockout. Oh that, yes. Um, <laughs> uh that was written by this guy named Robert Rody, who was a uh gay comics I think he's a gay comics writer. And it was about this secret agent who looked like Beyonce. And her, her sidekick was a gay dude who wore these Daisy Duke shorts. And, 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 and it was very tongue-in-cheek and um, very funny, but it, was, it left nothing to the imagination. It was part of the vertigo line. And... Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of people, a lot of guys sal who could get their hands on it was salivating over there because uh, Codename Nako, she was very well proportioned. And uh, and uh, she there was a lot of um, panels where she was in the all together. And so, uh, yeah, it, it left little to the imagination. It was very overt sexually. As far as a comic book in the mainstream part of the, and being part of the vertigo line, well, um, 
made it gave it that little green light to go a little bit further than what most comic books could. Well, remember, um, anytime you start, uh, and, and I kind of really hate to say this, anytime you start a new imprint, um, especially if it's going to be adult themed, like Vertigo or um, something over at Boom or what have you, the right. first thing you're going to do is you're going to push sex in your book because you know yeah. it's going to sell. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. y- you'll get to your actual heavy storylines and your complicated subject matter um, down the road, but you're going to use sex to get your readers. I mean, uh, I oh, think yeah. that Marvel Knights was a little different in that regard. Well, they were just violent. Violence and darkness. Yeah, right. Dark and violent. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like if you're doing adult subject matter, it doesn't always necessarily mean uh, uh, sex or anything like that. Right. In fact, I've got a couple of those on my list, but I'm going to turn it over to Olivia. Sure. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack in adult comics. Um, There's a huge history going back all the way to the 1930s when they started publishing um, like Tijuana Bible. Tijuana Bible. And I won't get too much into that. <laughs> but, you know, pulp magazines were hugely popular back then um, with titles like Spicy Detective and Sally the Sleuth. But even that aside, um, some of the major DC and Marvel books kind of got tied into the pulp magazines too. Um, right. You had some like Phantom Lady, who was a hugely popular character then. But even Batman was kind of directly tied to them. Um, and until 1941, I think, he was pulp, or um, featured in some of the pulp magazines, like, carrying a gun. And then that's when he got yep. rid of the gun. And right. so he became a less intense, violent version of the character. And now he's the crime-fighting detective, sort of, that we know today. I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, the one that always comes to mind for me, though, is kind of like the sexual icon in comics is Betty Page. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> kind of your typical pinup girl. Pinup girl, yeah. Um, classic of that era. Um, but for the most part, I mean, when I think of adult mature comics, it's not so much any of that. It's the violence and the gore. Um, again, there's a huge history of uh, different companies shifting in and out of publishing stuff with the violence and the gore, shifting into their own labels. You had people like Jack Kirby who in, kind of started with their own independent publishing books and everything like that, because they didn't want to um, necessarily publish stuff that fell in line with the Comics Code Authority, which is a huge subject matter there in itself. Um, I don't think we would have comics the way we had them today without the shift from this is a crime-fighting detective to this is Batman dealing with real crime and injustice and getting down and dirty with a lot of stuff. Right. And, and remember why we have things. Go ahead. Not, not only was Batman a lot darker, but everyone forgets Superman was a little rough when he first started too. Oh Um, yeah. Cause I mean like in action comics, he he takes the wife beater and chucks the guy into the wall, you know, and like one handed, like, boom, I'm like, that's pretty rough for Mr. Truth and Justice in American Way, right? Yeah, like Jack Parr in uh, Incredibles. Right, a- absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, the the Pulp Fiction movement had a, a huge impact on the comic market then, and it's the, part of the reason why we ended up getting the seduction of the innocent because adults were writing adult fiction, forgetting that they were selling to five year olds. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so. Um. But yes, I actually do have a couple of uh, Betty Page magazines. In fact, I get the Betty Page series from Dynamite, which have actually been really well written. 
Um, because I like the whole premise behind it is that you find out that Betty was actually a secret agent for the government. So those have been pretty good. Like uh, Julia Child. Absolutely. Hey, Madman, you got one? Uh, for When it comes to adult comics? Yes. Uh, see, at first I, I, I was a sheltered kid, I, uh, super Christian family, so I, I wasn't allowed anything that even remotely came near uh, sexualized comic books. But in the early 90s, if you remember, it's like uh, you'd always see those commercials on, on TV for people trying to sell subscriptions to Sports Illustrated. Right. All right. And so in, in the whole hook for Sports Illustrated <laughs> was a swimsuit issue. Was a swimsuit <laughs> issue. Okay. And in the early 90s, uh, I think Marvel did like Marvel swimsuit issues. And it was clearly pornography for kids who cannot buy porn. Right. You know, it was like your hottest, uh, Psylocke was the one that got me, the one Psylocke. There was yeah. always a Psylocke under a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, it was, uh, it was, I wish DC had done something like that because I, I had such a crush on Raven. And anyway, so that's a whole different story. But <laughs> um, back in the day, back in like the late 80s and early 90s, like the whole point of Sports Illustrated Magazine, the whole hook was it was a swimsuit issue because they wanted guys to get the subscription to the magazine. But they provided this special issue in order to hook you in. Right. Unfortunately, I didn't get a subscription to any Marvel Comics titles because, you know, they weren't, it was, you know, it was solely a, like a one-shot swimsuit issue. Right. And so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, like, the comic books, even going back to, like, uh, the Tijuana Bibles and stuff like that, it is uh, pornography in some ways disguised as a comic book. And so uh, maybe that's just my, you know, my conservative upbringing and so forth of looking at it. But I mean, a lot of it is, you know, disguised pornography. And I, I think that that's an issue. Well, that's why I don't have that. Sort of one of my one of my favorite comics was back in the day, Comic Co by Bill Willingham Elementals. I used to love Elementals. Yeah, the guy who created the Heroes Unlimited gaming system. And then you there. find out that um, he also had Elemental Sex Special. And there was two of them. And I'm like, OK, then we're just going to move right along there, uh, Bill. Um, so I have an adult comic, and you guys are going to um, be... Yes. May I expand just a little bit more? Surely. Um, because when, when you started seeing all these, like uh, like uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, all these series that uh, came out, it's like you understand that, like, it's, I, wa I want to say that's different. Like, HBO's uh, content is way different than, like, the CW. The CW does touch on adult themes and stuff like that. Right. But it doesn't really get in depth in the way, like, uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and, uh, you know the HBO shows, they were far more violent, far more adult in nature because that's the kind of content that a lot of people our age want, you know? Well, and even by that, uh, Jessica Jones and the whole Purple Man story is done on a Netflix series, right? Yes. Which, yes, that's exactly. actually a really adult story in Alias itself that Brian Michael Bendis wrote. Yeah. Um, and everybody talks about how good the show was. I'm like, go read the original source material that it came from. Yeah, but um, I, so I mean, it's like there is... There is a market for adult uh, adult superhero content, uh, and but I mean I don't think you should be able to, uh, to lose like the innocence of it, and I think that that's what the CW is for is to provide a little bit like a little bit more innocent, you know, not so uh, overt. Right. Well, and it's funny that you said adult comics in lieu with superheroes because the one that I'm going to mention, um, as a lot of people just tend to overlook the fact that. This is pretty much adult-oriented, and that's The Watchmen by Alan Moore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, because if you look at The Watchmen, okay, yes, at the heart is superheroes, but look at what's going on in this story. The, uh, the dudes Johnson's out in the entire book. That, right. Well, and not just that, but you have 
the death of a superhero who, let's face it, was a controversial superhero even by this book standard. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and he's the one who's like, you know, everything's a lie and he can't take it anymore. Um, and it's almost a thing where you know his murder's coming and he's willing to accept it. You know? Yeah. Um, I can't remember when we did, when we talked about V for Vendetta or Watchmen, did I talk about, did I rant at all about Alan Moore's nihilism? Yes. How, okay. All right. I just, I just wanted to make sure I've, I've mentioned that before. It's like, I think his nihilism taints all his work and. Right. But, but if you look at Watchmen, we have all these adult themes in it. So you have the, the whole thing of murder to cover up a government secret or to, to Absolutely. cover. Not a government secret, but cover up. Well, yeah, actually. For the good, up, for the good of humanity. For the good of know, humanity, because he's, he's hiding what uh, Osmandis is going to do. Exactly. And I think that that's why Rorschach is such a popular character, because he's, uh, even in the face of Armageddon, I'll never compromise. Right. And I think that that's a very interesting concept about the. I think that's the dark and gritty side that Alan Moore was able to show uh, through the Watchmen comic books in terms of, uh, you know, making superheroes real people, real flawed, you know, vice-filled people. Well, and, and I'll, I'll get back to that for a second. Okay, all right, um, go ahead. Because another great thing about Watchmen is uh, you see that, um, as we know, politics are, are corrupt, but it's corrupt to the point that Nixon is still president. Yeah, um, yeah. We have things going on like the banning of superheroes, so people trying to keep the world in order, realizing that, okay, this is, you know, in the direct um, conflict with what we're doing. But then he touches on such things as uh, the hatreds of gays. Remember, there's the one yeah. member of the Watchmen, her and her girlfriend are killed. Um, we are straight up shown a rape scene and then yeah. finding out later that she still ends up sleeping with him and having their child because, you know, Silk Spectre won and then... Um, yeah. Comedian and and Silk Spectre too, Lloyd. You have um, the threat of nuclear war, yeah. Which especially when this was written, um, that was a constant fear back in the day that who's yeah. going to pull the trigger first. Yeah. And then the ultimate, well, humanity is flawed. It needs us to save them, and I'm going to show them that it needs us to save them. So a lot of adult concepts going down in this comic book. Thus, as comic fans, we're seeing it as, as an ultimate dark, gritty superhero comic. But you hand this to an adult who hasn't read comics, and they're like, whoa. Yeah, is, it, is this what the kids are reading? Yeah, this thing, yeah. Is, this thing is gritty. It's dark. Um, it's a little dirty. And is my son or daughter reading this? What, um, was, what was the award the Watchmen got? Uh, the one Central Eisner is, right? Yeah, I think the Eisner. I think um, a lot of times awards are given to uh, um, certain books, especially something like Watchmen. Where they they give these awards to is it in a way to like warn people. It's like it's really good, but it's very dark and gritty, and or there's sex involved or nudity involved, right? And so I think it's it's allowed to um, it's 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 like a it's just a, a preamble just for you to say it's like hey this isn't for kids, right? You know? Well, and speaking of which, remember there's that whole storyline where Warshak is investigating the disappearance of these children and these murders. To find out that the guy oh, yeah. killing him is chopping him up and feeding him to yes. the dog. Gruesome. And I mean, as an adult, I'm sitting there shivering going, oh, this is disgusting. Yes. Um, and then you but, understand why Rorschach takes the cleaver and just goes ballistic on the guy. So and then you understand how he went crazy. Right. You Absolutely. Know? Because, I mean, when you, it's, uh, I think uh, he even quoted Nietzsche. Uh, Alan when Moore. you stare into yeah, the abyss, the, the abyss, abyss stares back you. at you. Right, and absolutely. absolutely, it's like uh, you you have to. And when you put on this mask, you have to create this monster to fight the evil in the world that you see. Right. And I think that these are very complex concepts. 
It goes far beyond just a, a rich guy with a bunch of toys and, and a souped-up car going out and fighting crime. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're getting you're uh, delving deep into the human condition, not just the superhuman condition, but the human condition. Is that where we all have this dark alley in our in our hearts and minds that we can go to if we need to? Well, and I think that these are challenging concepts, and that's what makes these comic books adult in nature. The one thing I really like about Watchmen is I'm 100% certain that the success of Watchmen is why Brad Messer was allowed to write Identity Crisis at DC and use the actual main sure. DC heroes for that. Because Absolutely. had this not been successful, DC would have been like, oh, no, no, you're not going to show our guys as being you know, flawed. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, until proven that, okay, well, yes, you can have a flawed hero and still be on the, the greater side of good. Absolutely. Um, all right, so Olivia Enos, who's got another one? <clears throat> well, so kind of going off of that, um, we also, without Watchmen and, and V for Vendetta, kind of like those groundbreaking, really gritty adult stories, we wouldn't have DC Black Label books and everything. Absolutely, now. yes. Yes. Which are kind of the newer, I mean, it's essentially what they are. It's DC's Black Label that's geared towards adults, but they're getting into like the really hard questions that the superheroes need to answer. Um, and they're gory and they're violent, but they're good. They reflect what's going on with humanity and not just like your typical fighting injustice storyline. The uh, And the Harley Quinn Criminal Sanity series on that is just amazing. Um, both the art and the story on that is just blowing me away because you get to see, I mean, we always hear about it and it's been done several times in comics, but I think this is really the first in-depth look at Harley's fall into darkness. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what's well, really good about that one. And not to mention Batman Damned, the first one. They actually retracted the yes. first print of it. I have the famous bat penis. Yay, me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it had some interesting choice of nudity in there. Um, unnecessary to the storyline, but it's one of those things that it's a huge book now just because it's It's, it's a first appearance, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can go with that, but also it's just, it's a shock factor. Well, I remember when it came out, I was doing the uh, the old Adam West Batman theme, and Bat-wang! So. Well, that's what I mean, it's like 20 years from now, it's just going to be a liner note in the Overstreet right, Guide. It's like first appearance of the Bat-wang. Yeah, it'll be another one of those comics that's always going to be like 20 or $40 at a convention <laughs> 20 years from now. And that'll be the only selling feature, right? Right. <laughs> People are so mad. <laughs> Enos, you got something? I think he's sleeping. I think he, he looks had a like hard he's, day. He looks like he might have been passed out. Yeah. All right, moving right along. So <laughs> let me. I'll go ahead. Look at. He looks like the man is passed out. I over think he's there. sleeping. I think he had a long day. I imagine. So, um, <laughs> uh, one I'm going to pull up just because it goes hand in hand. We've seen the dark side of superheroes. This one actually now touches very deeply into the dark side of humanity, um, and that's Preacher by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Right. Um, if you guys haven't read this, this is actually really good, and I didn't realize that, that um, until I went back and rereading re it, that the AMC series is pretty much faithful to what happens in the book, because um, Jesse Custer, who's like this preacher in this like, really small Texas town, gets possessed by this power called Genesis which you find out is basically like uh, the illegitimate child of like uh, an angel and a demon type of thing, right? But the power allows him to have people do whatever he wants, um, which they do this really good in the TV show with the whole looking at him and his voice taking that different tone when he commands him what to do. Um, but 
because of this power, his church and his whole congregation just implode and everybody dies. Um, which then sets Jesse on his quest of, well, God needs an answer for this. Um, and I think, uh, and Olivia, I think you've read this series as well. Isn't this also in the book he finds out that God's not in heaven? He's basically told, well, he's not here. We don't know where he is. And he's like, where is, where is he? Well, he's on earth somewhere. And Jesse's like. On Preacher? Yeah. I have not actually read Preacher. That's one of the, the few in this wheelhouse that I haven't read. So really great thing about Preacher is it, it delves really deeply into um, the darkness of religion. Um, and basically, okay. and I'm sorry for anyone this offends out there, and I meant to spoiler this thing very early on, but a lot of this book, um, Preacher, the storyline, is basically saying the greatest sin committed against mankind was the creation of organized religion. Okay, um, interesting. Be because what he's saying is, well, if, this, if God is so mighty and powerful, why would he let this horrible thing get created and then abandon it and leave it here with me? Um, what are you shaking your head about, Madman? Uh, because as a Christian myself, I really don't get on board with this uh, nihilistic kind of uh, atheistic kind of view of the world. I don't view organized religion as as an evil thing. But I mean, that's exactly why this is controversial, right? That's why, like, subject mm -hmm. matter such as this is controversial, is because you and I may have different opinions about about that very concept. And right. So I think that that's, I think that's why art exists, so that we can address these controversial issues and discuss them with each other like we are right well, now. Well, and that's that's um, see, and you and I agree on the exact same point. A good story is supposed to do this. It's supposed to make, make you, you start. Think. It's make supposed you think. to make you start talking counterpoints and do it without chucking bricks at each other. Which, by the way, I need a brick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the same question with, like, the, the Sandman universe, Lucifer, everything. Is it technically just really good art, or is it blasphemous, or it all depends on your views and everything. But I think it's really important to have it out there still, if not for entertainment, then to raise these questions to well, be able to right, discuss so, Absolutely. It. I'm not saying we need to burn those books. I'm just saying that we should, <laughs> burn, we should burn all the copies of X-Men number one and save ones for ourselves. Yeah. That's the only book I would consider <laughs> burning not. is if there's way too many in print, way too many in circulation. Right. You have the map. Why would you come all the way back here to get this diary? What does it tell you that it doesn't tell me? <laughs> it tells me that goose-slapping morons like yourself should be reading books instead of burning them. But I mean, it's, I'm not burning it because of the content. I'm burning it because there's way too many com comics in circulation. Well, oh, trying to make money on so it. So Olivia doesn't know about our plan. Um, X-Men number one, all five covers. We're going to plan a Lost in a Long Box X-Men number one book burning, but we're all going to take our best covers of all five of them and get them CGC graded. So like we all have nine eights and nine nines, what have you. And then we're going to just have mass burnings of the rest of the book and, and make them valuable. So. Yeah, don't know if I'm getting on board with that. <laughs> like, where are you going? I'm going to a book burning. But it's not because of the content of it. Right. It's, it's to make money off of the burning of the book. <laughs> So start looking those up for me, all five covers I need. Well, I don't think it's going to look good, good for us in the press, no matter what. Probably right. Uh, you got yeah. another uh, <laughs> a, adult comic, Olivia? <laughs> um, we touched base on most of the ones I was going to talk about. The only other example that's always, <laughs> as someone who owns a comic book shop, there's certain ones where it's, you look at it and do you put it out on the shelf in a family-friendly environment? <laughs> or do right. you... 
Do I put it under glass when someone has to ask me for it? Vampirella. Now hold up here. Now wait a minute. Look at this cover. Yeah. Okay, that's 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 the example. She's ready for it. Um, and I do have a point. We're all thinking it. It's not technically. It's not technically an adult book. It's certainly a more mature theme, but come on. Yeah, it's it's kind of indisputable. <laughs> well, yeah. That was let's face it. That's there's a reason why those Warren magazines, Eerie, Rook, Vampirella were all oversized uh, and sold on a magazine rack because it didn't have to abide by CCA guidelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um and Yes. I mean, most of us who were teenage boys at the time, that's the main, that's the only reason you bought Vampirella. Yeah. And we couldn't, we couldn't illegally buy Playboy. Right. Can I uh, make a little segue into the Playboy thing? Uh, Sure. Uh, I believe in uh, like Playboy and Penthouse, they would frequently have like uh, adult comics. All the time. Yes. Yeah. And um, I know it's not like we can show many here, but because they were very adult themed in terms of like nudity and like uh, sexuality and so forth. And I always thought it uh, those are the pages I would linger on the longest because I would, <laughs> I would, Sorry. I would appreciate, I would appreciate the fact that there's some artist, you know, trying to make a funny comic book working for Playboy. It's like, um, if you're working for Playboy and you're the cartoonist for Playboy, um, you get a t-shirt that says Playboy. You don't, you don't get a t-shirt that says Playboy and cartoonist in little letters right. underneath it. <clears throat> you know, it's like, it's like the worst job at Playboy. But you're still an artist. You know? Well, and here's you're the, far more an artist than a guy taking pictures of naked girls. Well, you know what I mean? Well, here's the bad thing too. Those are always at the back of the magazine. Yes. Chances were, ninety percent of the readership didn't make it that far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, as a, as an artist myself, I mean, that's not the kind of um, uh, publication I would want my art to be in. Right. You know, because I wouldn't. I would feel like I'd be restrained to the the content in terms of the adult content. You know. Because sometimes you want to tell an adult story, and sometimes you know you just want to, you know, a makeout session with your girlfriend, right? Instead of you know actual sex, <laughs> you know. And I and I will freely admit I'm actually buying the Vampirilla series from Dynamite now too. I'm buying both Vampirilla and Vengeance Vampirilla. Vampirilla is um, not real, dude. Because I rem- because I remember the Warren magazines from the '70s and the '80s. Okay, yeah. Had it not been for that magazine, I wouldn't be touching those titles now. You know. Well, um, if you remember, there, there was like uh, horror magazines like Fangoria and stuff like that. Right. Um, also, the craft, yeah. yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of people considered that to be adult content when, in fact, it was a very, very much about like how to create special effects, you know, right. in many ways. And that, that's what I liked about like those those kinds, of, particularly like Fangoria and stuff like that. It's um, and it, it led to an entire generation of, of, of young cinematographers we want to create a crappy horror movie like say Evil Dead. And so and you know we all got richer because of it. Well, you know, and it's... but even even touching upon other occult themes is like even even um things like Sabrina the Teenage Witch uh going all the way back to the Archies, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh um uh Doctor Strange and even um like Trigon in the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of this had to do with occultism and uh and they're basing these like uh, upon demons, not not in Trigon's case, but like real real uh demons that are mentioned right. in in uh in Scriptures historical texts. Yeah. yeah, historical texts. And so a lot of people, especially like the Christian community that I grew up in, you know, um were very against that kind of occultism 
being like available to children to buy. Well, so and remember, that, yeah. you talk about Tales from the Crypt. Um, yes. All yes. the EC line was targeted heavily yeah. in mm-hmm. Seduction of the Innocent by Congress during that time. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, so one of the other ones that I remember, that, not that I remember, but that I found in doing this, and I did not know this comic was out there, and, and I'm not going to lie, this is just a tad bit disturbing. Um, and Olivia may have heard of this one only because of the artist, or, I'm sorry, the writer, Lost Girls by Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. I have heard the name. I have not read it or seen it in person. So, I have not looked into it. Too Lost much. Girls um, by Alan Moore and illustrated by Melinda Gebby, I guess, G-E-B-B-I-E, um, depicts the sexual adventures of, of three women who happen to be Alice from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, uh, Dorothy Gale from The Wizard of Oz, and Wendy from Peter and Wendy. And I'm like, okay, that's a bit of a, a weird, um, you know, teaming up. But the actual story is, I guess they uh, meet um, in this luxury mountain resort called Hotel Himmelgarten in Australia. And apparently it's on the eve of uh, World War One, about to happen, like in 1913. Um, but when you meet them, um, so like Wendy Darling, I guess, is now in, in her 30s and got gray hair. No, Wendy's in her 30s. Um, Alice is, Dorothy's like in her 20s. Alice apparently has gray hair. And they guess they meet in this hotel resort and they start talking about their sexual adventures. And I'm thinking, how do strangers just meet and start talking about the sex they've had, for one thing? Uh, but then you start looking into the subject matter of, of how their escapades begin. And some of it's pretty disturbing. And they're like, man, Alan, what were you smoking when you wrote this thing, right? I forgot her last name was Darling. Yes, Wendy Darling. That's horrible. That's a horrible last name to have. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, that was another one. Lost Girls. I didn't know about that one. Um, anybody got any others? We're running out of time here. 729. I think I covered everything. Let's ask Enos one more time. <laughs> other than awake, The Enos? Walking Dead was the only oh, other yeah. one I was going to bring up. Oh. Just because um, when the Comics Authority, um, at one point, they basically had a stipulation. He's moving. <laughs> that you couldn't even mention the words vampires, werewolves, or zombies. Wow. And now there's books like The Walking Dead where that's all it is, is very gory shots of zombies dying or chewing people's heads off, etc. So, so the Z word. It's interesting to see what's evolved. So is that why they could, is, was that still in effect? Is that why they didn't use the word zombie in Walking Dead? Um, this was, trying to find my date again. This was during the time where they had Marvel introduce their zombies at first, but they called them Zuvembies because they couldn't use the word zombies. I did not realize that that was still in effect and that they were still honoring that because most, let's face it, everybody pretty much laughs off um, CCA now. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, well, Marvel withdrew from it completely um, in 2001. 2011, DC dropped it. And then right after that, Archie Comics was the last one. So <laughs> Archie pretty, Comics, pretty that's the yeah. <laughs> Pretty much disbanded entirely after I, I want to know what um, suggested material that Archie Comics might have produced that they had to ignore the CCA. Someone find me that comic. Set that, that... Whenever Veronica called Archie, Archie can... Well, that, uh, maybe it's that Betty and Me cover where he's pulling her out the pond and he tells her he had to beat off three other guys to get her. I'm pretty sure it was way <laughs> after that. <laughs> uh, 
All right, so that is it for this week. Um, everybody, do want to remind you, Madman does Shock Monkey Radio every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. here on FXBG Public Radio. We have our Facebook page, obviously, facebook.com slash lostinalongbox.com. Email lostinalongbox at gmail.com because Madman is lonely. And then patreon.com slash FXBG Public Radio. Thank you very much. Drop us some money because we all need the money here. Um, and we have our affiliated sister groups, Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and Gather Together, the greatest superhero teams. All of those are managed by Enos and are on Facebook. And Enos, you need to add like two more to that list so, you know, we can get uh, a nice big yeah. family going there. Me and Olivia think of one. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Let's do it. Right. We'll do it. Look, we'll have one dedicated to a dad, the Reverend Ed. Well, that's uh, what that's what the not. Gateway Comics and Toys no, Facebook page is for. He does not need his for. own fan club. We're not going there. <laughs> Olivia's like, I'm getting the fan club first. Damn it! So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, everybody. Um, stay safe. Talk to you next week. Good night, folks. Bye. Good night.